Hey, and welcome to episode five of Hit The Clock podcast. I am Cheryl, your host. In this episode, I sit down with dating and intimacy coach, David. We discuss the various types of intimacy and why men don't necessarily feel safe enough to be emotionally intimate. We break down what intimacy actually is, how performance anxiety is a real thing, ways to get more out of your sex and how your stamina can be increased. David shares a plethora of hints and tips and speaks candidly about his own experiences and how they have helped shape him to become the authentic man. As always, if you have something to say about this episode, please feel free to drop me a message. You can find me at Cheryl's World on all the socials. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you're always up to date with brand new episodes. Okay, let's get into it. Enjoy. So I am particularly excited about this episode because, as you all know, the whole sex, the whole wellness, that whole bit is just my forte. Joining me today, I have an amazing individual. He's an intimacy coach. He works primarily with men. David, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Wonderful. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited about this conversation for a lot of reasons. One, because there's a lot to discuss, but I think it's, it's necessary. And I don't think we have enough conversations like this certain subjects especially when it comes to sex and wellness you've got a search I mean there is definitely more out there now but it's it's still very taboo Mm. there's still a lot of stigma so conversations on social media podcasts just in general are, are so necessary and you I mean you do some amazing work you are an intimacy coach you work with men just to start off it's important we establish exactly what the difference is between sex and intimacy mm. so actually uh the night call I, I didn't i didn't write it. I, I sent it to one of my clients a little while ago when we first started to work together and some people say there's up to like eight to twelve types of intimacy sexual intimacy is one of them you've got emotional intimacy you've got physical intimacy and um, you've got conflict intimacy spiritual intimacy what else is there intellectual intimacy i've got five there i think they're the ones that i kind of see you you see that, that actually a lot of this is about Intimacy, you know, people often say, into me, you see. And a lot about intimacy is being seen, about being accepted and being heard and being in a safe space to express ourselves, right? So one of the ones that I think is most important, especially when I focus on men, is around emotional intimacy. How are you sharing your emotions with your partner? How are you accepting the emotions of your partner? Are you able to be open to hearing what your partner has to say? You know, conflictual intimacy, for instance, is like, can you deal with conflict in a way that allows the other person to express themselves? Uh, when it comes to physical intimacy, and I'm not talking about sex, I'm talking about physical intimacy instead of touch. Are you open to being touched and touching your partner? Ideas intimacy is like, are you willing to share ideas and listen to the ideas of your, of your partner and all these things? So you've got all those different strands of intimacy and you've got sexual intimacy, which is, are you open to you know sex are you open to allowing your partner to express themselves freely inside of sex i often say i'm an intimacy coach and i I do like dating work and i do relationship stuff with people as well but ultimately all of it boils down to some level of intimacy and how we're able to be seen and share ourselves with, with the people that we meet okay so there's different types of intimacy but i think a lot of people generally when you uh use the word intimacy they automatically presume it's sex i think it's important that we we make it clear that sex it's a physical act that's used to satisfy a sexual desire it doesn't necessarily mean that there's intimacy involved 
Although I think a good way of looking at it might be that intimacy, if you are intimate with someone, it can sort of make you want to have sex with them. So where sex doesn't necessarily equate to intimacy, intimacy can sort of lead on to sex. Would that be a good way of maybe explaining it a little bit? Take, for example, emotional intimacy. And you hear it a lot when people have sort of relationships outside of their relationships. So when people are cheating, they often cite, oh, you know, well, emotionally, I felt connected to this person. That it was the emotional intimacy that kind of sort of snared them, if you like, and And then as a result, they felt attached. And then the sex kind of came afterwards. I I think a lot of people do kind of get confused with what intimacy actually is. And I know you've just broken down there several times, but what would be a really basic way of defining the two? So I think also inside of intimacy is that you can have intimacy with friends, right? Mm. Because emotional intimacy you have between friends and family as well, right? You have a certain level of emotional intimacy and emotional safety. I think intimacy itself comes down to safety do you feel safe to be seen do you feel safe to show up do you feel safe to share yourself like i think a lot of intimacy really comes down to a safety piece sex as you said is a biological function of based around desire could you want to have sex with someone without having any desire for them i guess so some people yeah yeah yeah, the motivation is right exactly there's some motivation to have sex with someone it can be penetration it can not be penetration we we kind of you know more and more we're moving away from this idea that sex is only penetration it can be any sort of sexual contact so i think even sex itself as a term is really hard to kind of pin down and say that is what sex is because you know it's very subjective depending on you know who we are and how we see things but i guess in a simple terms right for most people and I'm saying I'm being generalized here. We see sex as physical contact between two people who desire to engage in such physical contacts. Intimacy, I see as sharing yourself with someone or allowing other people to share themselves with you in a potentially physical, mental, emotional, verbal way. So when you're working with guys, when you have men that come to you for coaching, where do you kind of start with it? Because I don't know whether men are necessarily taught about intimacy as such you know do you find that you start in a place where a man has come to you and they're completely they just don't understand intimacy in in a kind of broken down sense obviously they're, they're aware of their feelings and when they feel something towards someone are they able to articulate that this this is something this is what intimacy is or do you find you have to go back to the beginning and literally break it down and kind of walk men through mm. so it's different men show up in very different ways actually mm-hmm. very different ways you know how my first conversations with all men start always is they they contact me in some way or we get talking in some way and we set up a phone call and then usually i'm like hey how are you they're like you know i'm good i'm fine blah blah, blah. and i'm like you know what brought you here and at that point i usually just close my mouth and listen i just listen because the first thing one of the things i've realized is this most men don't have anyone in their lives that will listen to them without judgment, even their partners, especially their partners if they have partners and friends, right? So when they sit down and they talk to me, they've usually consumed my podcast, they've been through my Instagram, they they have an idea of who I am and how I speak freely. So they know that they can talk and I'm just going to listen and I'm not going to judge them. So they just speak to me. You know, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes, they speak completely. Often I find that they have they have an idea of what they think the problem is. Like, okay, I'm unable to emotionally connect with the woman I want to, or I'm not lasting as long as I'd like to in bed, or I'm a bit aggressive when I'm having sex. And then we kind of delve into that. We, you know, through a process of questions, a lot of the time it comes down to some inability emotionally, I find. Right. right there's somewhere that we haven't been taught how to emotionally regulate our own emotions that is to like 
be with our emotions, feel them and then let go of them or to communicate what we're feeling. You know, there's some sort of judgment we're placing on that or we are struggling in conflict. We struggle to, you know, discuss and stay when we're discussing a point with our partner. So say, for instance, something happens in our relationship and when it upsets us, we shut down and we withdraw because we've never been in a place where it's safe to express our emotions about judgment or punishment. So a lot of the time through questioning, which is, you know, my coaching is a lot about just asking questions. Mm-hmm. We get to a place of like, ah, so this happened and you make it mean this and it's like yeah make that mean that is that true and it's like no that's not true <laughs> that's not <laughs> how it is and and we we kind of do move through intimacy and it's like is it safe to express your emotions do you know what you're feeling you know one of the things I go to a lot is emotional will and I bring that up and I say I've got multiple exercises I give men around emotional will what we've not taught as men is we're not taught language, right? We're not taught the language mm-hmm. of emotions and how to say what we're feeling. And articulate right? yourself. And I think one of the things that most commonly emotionally for men is like we're not in a place where we've been with so many partners or family members and so forth where if I say, oh, I feel upset or sad or worried or I'm feeling this thing, the response we get feels like an attack. It's like, why are you feeling like that? What's wrong with you? Or it's something like, oh, how dare you say that? Like, whatever comes back feels like an attack. So in those moments, we're like, it's not safe to feel. So I suppose at that point, you withdraw. And then Mm. it's almost like a child that learns through burning their fingers on a radiator or something. They're not going to do that again. Or they're going to tread very cautiously. So the next time that man finds himself in a sort of similar situation, he's not going to say. You know, I find that really interesting because I think that kind of plays into a lot of uh, this idea of what men should be, which is obviously in a lot of ways very dangerous, very damaging, does more damage than good. When it comes to, say, black men, for example, I feel like it, it... maybe more of an issue because you have stereotypes around what black men should already be so when you're already growing up in a home where you're being told to be a man this is how you act and then you add to that the stereotypes of what a black man should be you know strong and over sexual you know doesn't really have much feel can leg it down in the bedroom you know everything is about his sexuality before anything else and apparently you don't have any emotions that must Mate, all what you've just said when you're dealing with a man and trying to get him to look at intimacy must make it 10 times worse. Yeah, yeah, and it does. And, you know, what's interesting with men is that well, from an emotional point of view is we either shut down Mm-hmm. or we express the single emotion where everything kind of filters into that we're often not necessarily accepted but we kind of allow men to show his anger yeah and and this for for black men and for myself i really look at is like i grew up in the 90s and i subconsciously kind of t- took in through family and family situations in the media is like you can't be an angry black man. Mm-hmm. Being an angry black man is dangerous. You will go to prison. The yep. police will arrest you. All those things, right? Yep. So we internalize that message. And it's like, I can never be angry. And, you know, anger has its place. It's, it's, it's an Absolutely. emotion. It's not worse or better than any other one, right? So we have this kind of, like you said, these stereotypes of what a black man must be. For black men, the physical attributes are also some of the stereotypes are expected of us, right? You have to have a big penis. You have to have big pecs, big muscles, mm-hmm. You know, you have to be strong, you have to be tall, you have to be Mm. good in bed. Like all these things are pushed onto black men as stereotypes of what we should be. And you add into it, it's like we are hypersexualized in the media, in music as well. Like, right, if we look at like rap music, dancehall is very hypersexual music. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sex, getting women, right? That's the the kind of thing. So as a black man, you should be getting women. (laughs) 
know, you should be having a lot of women. I was teaching my my girlfriend a term. She's Swedish, and it's um, I was like, you have to be a gallus. You, know? <laughs> you must have been like, what are you want about? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's like a womanizer. You know, you're expected to be a womanizer. This kind of places a lot of pressure on black men. And, you know, I can see where I personally internalize this, and I know other men that did as well. It, it's kind of like to be a man, you have to be these things. But it places a huge amount of pressure on your masculinity, right? It's like this is how I have to be to be a man. And I think sometimes what doesn't help is that when we look around us at maybe other men, you know, other black men, you know, we see them also living into that stereotype. So it's like, oh, well, I have to be to fit in. I have to be. Yeah. And this can be very toxic for ourselves, our mental health, but also for our relationships because we are also suppressing our emotions. We're not showing how we feel. So it's like trying to have a healthy relationship when you're not expressing your emotions is very difficult. Ha- trying to have a healthy sex life with partners as well is very difficult if you're not willing to enter into, you know, things like soft and gentle sex, loving sex. Even let's talk about even going down on a woman, right? Oh, yes. For many years, for many years was it's like, oh, man, don't do that. Mm-hmm. It is true. And yes, there are some men that don't do it. But the fact that the narrative is black men should not do it is so problematic because the guy that wants to do that is now looked at as a, what what we say, you're a bow cat, you know, you're a this and you're a that. It's interesting what you said about aggressiveness, because again, that kind of, when you look at music and stuff like that, and I think a lot of people, especially black people, music is a, is a massive factor in our culture, you know, so we do take our cues from what we hear in music and what we see on the media. And if you're listening to an artist like 50 Cent or whatever, let's just say growing up for argument's sake, and he's telling you what to do or how to treat women, you learn that's the way to be. And if there's nobody else kind of guiding you, it goes back to what you're being taught about being a man. If no one else is guiding you and showing you actually, it is okay in your words to be soft and gentle. It is okay to make love, not always, excuse my French, fuck or beat up or whatever you want to call it. it. It changes things, doesn't it, David? Would you say it's more about what we learn as we grow older that kind of affects us more than what we're taught when we're younger mm-hmm. yeah it's a difficult question isn't it? it's like when do we when are we absorbing things i think at a deeper level we absorb so much when we're children i watched an interesting documentary called the wisdom of trauma by a guy called gabe mate right and he talks about how from birth from when we're in the womb we are absorbing things from our mm from our mother when you're absorbing from our environment so you know maybe we have fears around the abandonment and feeling rejected and so forth and then we kind of go into a phase of like you know being a child and we're actively absorbing so we see how maybe our parents treat each other and then you know if we have a father around or not we see how he treats our mother or women in our lives or our uncles and so forth then we get messages from older boys Mm-hmm. about how we should talk to and treat women all these things affect us but our early childhood actually has some of the, the biggest effect right but equally we can unlearn things right and this this is this is the point right because mm-hmm. i can look at myself and say in my early 20s my dad wasn't particularly around i kind of knew him but he wasn't a very particularly emotionally uh present man right he didn't really yeah. sit me down and teach me about life or explain mm-hmm. things or you know those sorts of things he, he was never taught that so he didn't have that capacity right? right so i had to learn these things myself and i and subconsciously you're picking things up you're picking things up from movies you're picking things up from television but also the men that you look up to maybe in your life are doing that as well yeah. so if you're surrounded by television that's telling you that you know you beat the pussy up that's what you do you beat it up right you don't make love to a woman you don't take her out you don't you know entertain and enjoy her company and flow with the energy of the evening and if it feels good for both of you go and have sex you make love right 
you were like the goal is to, to get to get this destination. yeah yes yeah and then you at the end of the day or the next morning you your boys say hey why go on last night and you're like mm. yeah yeah man yeah i did it yeah it was boom yeah like she she enjoyed it and you also have to listen to the language as well it's like yeah. i do sex to her it's yeah. not that we yes. we co-create sex together as a beautiful union i did it i do her. it yeah 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 100 percent. it's interesting you should say that because even just thinking about like on an intimate level you setting out having a nice evening together it's building that intimacy isn't it like you're you're connecting you're vibing if you're just going in and you're like yeah we're just gonna smash then there's no real connection and i find a lot of black men that i've spoken to that i've seen you know see around this kind of casualness and don't get me wrong people do what you want to do if you want to have casual sex that's fine but it's the casualness that's kind of taken away from in some ways their own truth because you'll find a guy that may feel connected to a woman but he's going to ignore that because he feels that he should just be doing what man does and that's just smash you know and then he'll get to an age where it's like well hold on i'm i don't know late 30s early 40s shit need to settle down don't quite know how to connect you know and that's probably when he'll come to someone like yourself and say, help me with my intimacy issues. Mm, mm, mm. Exactly. Like, you know, I get quite a few guys who are literally, as you said, at 30, you know, 32 to about 37. And they're like, you know, and of all races as well. Like, you yeah. know, I meet women okay, but I really struggle to create a meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. I can't create the meaningful connection. I, I can have fun. We enjoy each other's companies, but there comes a point where things don't progress and I'm not really sure what to do in that space. This is a huge problem because we've been raised on this kind of diet of casual sex, which again, I'm not against it. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. Like I had my phase of really having a lot of casual sex, but I was doing it a lot because I was scared to connect. I was scared of getting hurt. I was unable to express my own emotions and feelings. And I thought that's what I should do. And it wasn't until you know I went through a bit of a journey of a breakup and I was traveling and I did some plant medicine that I saw for myself that really what I wanted was to deeply connect with people. And I started to see that time isn't necessarily a factor in that. You can really connect with someone very deeply Quickly. in two, three, four hours yep. if you're willing to just be really open and be seen and have that emotion, those, those levels of intimacy all open, right? And for two people to do that, things being open We're not told to be open. We're told to be closed. We're taught to be closed as men. Close off your emotions, shut them down. Close off your desire for anything that's meaningful because all it's it's about is short-term things because a relationship is a drag. It can cause you pain. It's going to slow you down in your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that totally plays out because you find that if you, again, just seeing and hearing and understanding, and when you're in this space, you hear a lot about relationships and people's situationship. You know, I personally see like a lot of men that they'll connect with a woman and they'll run the other way because it's like almost, it's almost like there's a fear to be quote unquote drawn out. That's going to make me feel, you know, me connecting with you and being able to to feel you scares me. That's what I kind of hear from a, a lot of guys. And I just find it really interesting. It's almost like at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, most men do just want to have someone that's for them. But I feel men fear more than women. We will be vocal. We will say, you know what? You're peeing me off. You're upsetting me. You're doing this. We will say, so we can kind of move on quicker in a lot of ways. We're taught to be more open. But with men, it's almost like, like you say, you're taught to be closed. So when you're feeling those things, it's like, oh shit, I- I'm going the the way now before it gets too much and I can't control it yeah and ultimately what happens is when we look back through a man's life often there's at some point where he accepted the message or was told the message that feeling leads to pain 
right? Mm. If I feel I'll get hurt, if I'm vulnerable, I'll get hurt. You know, it can be bullying where a boy, you know, says to a friend at seven, eight years old, I really love you. And then he, that friend goes and tells everyone and everyone turns around and says he's gay. And then that's it. He doesn't want to ever share how he feels. Or he is 14 years old and he really falls for a girl and he says, I really care about you. And she just looks at him and is like, I hardly know you exist. Yeah, exactly. Boom trauma exists and this is why I I guess it's crucial that boys especially young boys are taught that it's okay to speak and they have people that want to pour into them so when something like a situation where you've told your friend that you love them because when you're young and you don't actually know what you're saying necessarily you just know that this is my friend and I love being with you so I love you which is a legitimate feeling and emotion if you're then met with kind of almost like a rejection you've got someone that can explain to you well this is the reason why or could be the reason why that person you know understanding so the trauma is not an issue everybody experiences trauma but it's how you move through it depends or determines the long-term effects as we know so for men it's crucial and again just kind of bringing it back to black men a little bit I feel it's even more crucial because of the the stereotypes that exist and the expectations that are placed on black men already you know there is no other race of man that is expected to be as strong as the black man which kind of leads into another area sexual stamina we've spoken about the fact that black men are hypersexualized uh, hugely so when it comes to sex and actually when you're in the bedroom just moving away from intimacy a bit the pressure sexual stamina performance anxiety all of these factors david i know you can talk on this <laughs> yeah yeah not not literally always... not <laughs> no no I, you know and i can but i can talk okay. personally, right and this is the thing i'm willing to go there i'm willing to talk okay, about cool. my personal experience right because i always am because most of the work i do comes from my personal lived experience right, right. i always think of the song by missy elliott and ludicrous right one minute man okay okay it popped into my head years ago and i remember yeah you know one minute man and this is the thing there was a song that shamed men right literally if you didn't last long enough right there was a song about it right you know and we'll not talk about the songs of that era because it was you know bills 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 as well mm-hmm. but that's you know there was a lot of this in that in that era right but so men have black men we yeah. have this idea, you meet women. I've met women. I've met women of various races have gone, you know, especially when I've I've traveled. I've done a lot of traveling in, in my life. And I've met women and they're like, oh, you know, they have these stereotypes of black men that they've seen through media. You know, mm-hmm. I never forget I was in traveling in South America. I met a German girl and she was like, All I know of black men is what I've seen in music and sport. Great. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, you know, it's, it's it's very sexual. And she was very honest. She was like, it's very sexual. It's very much about strength and speed and all these things. And she goes, oh, I've heard also other rumours from friends. And I was like, what rumours are those rumours? Can I guess <laughs> which like, rumour? One of the main rumours? Yeah, yeah, They've yeah. all got big willies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember talking to her about this and I was like, you know, it's not actually true. So I read one piece of research that was like, yes, by um, race, like back when on average have the largest penises, right? But I've also seen research that said this isn't actually true. <laughs> it's, it's hard to determine the, the truth in this, right? So that adds a lot of pressure, right? Because that pressure occurs as anxiety. Sexual performance anxiety is known as, right? And this is where we are going into sex or sexual situations and we are worrying, we are concerned, we are fearful about the the interaction in some way that could be about pleasing our partners Mm -hmm. that could be around how long we last that could be around our bodies that could be around whether the other person is going to enjoy it like all these sorts of things right and for men what i've seen is the biggest concerns are size of penis penis size is the biggest one of the biggest concerns of men and if they can last long enough Mm -hmm. those two things 
are the yeah. biggest two. And I think probably followed by, there's a lot of comparison for men. They compare themselves to path partners. That kind of comes yes. up as well. Right? Yeah. Whether they're going to be, it's going to be good enough. But That's the right. biggest ones are penis size and lasting long enough. The kind of vicious cycle is, is that these worries can cause performance issues. So worrying about how long are you going to last can cause enough stress to start flowing through your body. Cortisol, was it neuroephedrine, ephedrine to course through your body to cause you to feel very stressed. And what happens when we feel stressed? Our penises don't work in a way that we would like them to, right? They either don't get hard or we come too quickly because our muscles become tense, blood flows to the other parts of our body, which are not our penis. Because ultimately, evolutionally speaking, if you were in the savannas of Africa, right? And you are hunting, you're looking for food. If you see a lion over there, you start to become stressed because you need to be alert. You need to be Ready. focused, right? Yeah. What you don't want to need, you don't won't want to need in that time is to need to be able to have sex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So we are built for, when we get stressed, sex is the thing that starts to diminish in our minds as well. Because a lot of us, I, I know for me, if I'm stressed or I'm, even if I'm upset, for instance, sex is not the thing that I'm thinking about that no. I want, right? It's not on my mind. But even physically, our bodies start to not really be so fussed about it. So sex performance anxiety is a very vicious cycle because once we start into the worrying and the fear, we it can cause a problem we're worried about, right? And if you add into the fact that a lot of the time we try and self-medicate sex performance anxiety with things like alcohol, mm -hmm. drugs, mm -hmm. which then in turn can cause those issues as well or impact the issue make it 10 times worse we know weed which is obviously a, a drug of choice for a lot of people that has a huge effect on a man's ability to sustain an erection although men mm. will argue with you and say that's nonsense but it has been proven medically as is the same with alcohol you know these things do affect your body physically add on the the added pressure of being a black man and being mm -hmm. expected to deliver yeah <laughs> to perform to be the possibly you know if you're especially if you're with a woman who isn't black it might be she's expecting the best performance Even of her more. life yeah yeah and if god forbid you don't deliver let me tell it's a real thing isn't it david it's like the whole just going back to the two of the two main things that are kind of main focuses is definitely the penis size and is definitely the ability statistically on average we know that most men wherever you're coming from two to five minutes apparently is the average in terms of penetration okay yes. so if we're if we're looking at forget the foreplay foreplay can go on for however long right but when a man penetrates a woman he is not lasting longer than five minutes on average some of you might go to seven some maybe eight some maybe take two some three on average it's two to five and i think when you look at a figure like like that i think if i was a bloke and it's easy for me to say that would be quite reassuring because there's no need the pressure to think you've got to go for 10 15 20 minutes and give yourself a coronary you would realize that it's it's just unreasonable mm. Do you know what I mean? I do think it's really, very reassuring, right? And I, it's funny, I run a workshop exactly about this, mm. about sexual performance. And uh, for, for quite a, a, a part of it, I talk about anxiety, I talk about averages, I talk about average penis size mm -hmm. and flaccid and, and erect and all these things. I talk about the five minutes, you know, the two, you know, two to five and a half minutes is average penetration and so forth. And then I go on to kind of explain how we can basically be better because often when I do tell the men five minutes they're all like oh wow okay so I'm doing all right here yeah I, I often throw the question out in the workshop and say how long is the average penetration and I get anything from one minute as an answer up to like 30 minutes okay. yeah for some men think that that is the average so you know I go through all the statistics and tell them the numbers and I say but this is how if you want to have sex for longer this is what you do and I go through you know I, I've been studying tantra for a number of years right and I know tantra has this idea of people that think oh if you have tantric sex you have sex for hours and hours and you can mm. but actually it's not 
magic of any type is actually through a lot of focus and awareness. Mm -hmm. And one of the big parts, as I say to men, is, is slow down. Yes. Slow the fuck down. Right? Slow it right down, homie. Yeah. You are not meant to be going like a jackhammer for five minutes. That five minutes isn't like that. It's like, let's begin slowly. Something that uh, in a book I've read recently about uh, tantric sex for men, this is called slow penetration, which is basically taking up to, in the book it talks about taking up to half an hour to fully enter a woman right. right to really slowly move with full awareness and consciousness when you're fully entered into a woman to just be there and hold your, your yourself there feel your penis feel what it feels like to be inside of a vagina and what she's feeling right and then start to move slowly and not just in and out motions right because that's something that we're, we're very used to you can go sideways you yep. can move your hips you can all these things are not just going in and out right and just simply just doing those two things there you suddenly change the sexual having completely oh, right experience. yeah <laughs> yeah can i just say david i'm loving them yeah. <laughs> david's giving me some swing with it with the shoulders <laughs> you're so right slowing it down so sorry continue you were saying so once you're in you get to feel and understand everything that's happening yeah yeah just slow it down there's another thing because i have a, a bunch of exercises that I, I i work with the men around how they can improve their performance because there's some very physical exercises that you can do but when you're in the, in the act, you're in there, is going slowly, you know, moving slowly in and out, paying attention to your partner, learning about your own arousal levels, right? Mm. Because what often happens for us men is that we start having sex and we're very linear, right? We go from like zero to 10 in a, in a, in a very consistent manner, right? Mm -hmm. A 10 being the point at which you, you ejaculate, you come. What I say is you can go up to five, back down to three, up to six, back down to four, back down to zero, you know, mm -hmm. take a break, get some water, go back up to seven maybe and go and you just use this as like an ebb and a flow right. of, of of sex with the partner you're with right and this way it's not this linear process right it's a slow moving through and this instantly that's it you, you've now changed from having sex for five minutes to easily be having sex for as long as you want because yeah. the key to this is is awareness is having this focus of like okay i'm going to choose not to come straight away or as quickly as I normally would and I'm going to take my time and when I start getting close to the point where I might come I can slow down yeah. I can bring myself back which often you know is known as edging yeah. and edging is uh, a process that you can do in solo sex or something you can do in partner sex okay. where you go up to close to the point of no return the point of no return being the point at which you're like oh I can't hold I it back no longer yeah. and you go back down slowly or you stop completely so these are some of the things you can do when you are having sex that instantly changes that now when we are involved in practices like edging one of the key things i always say and something my partner and me talk about is whoever we're with has to be on board with this definitely there needs to be a responsibility of both partners right yeah. because as a man if you're a woman and she's you know riding you like she's she's on the grand national right it's very hard for you to stay focused and you know and yeah and, and last right so it needs to, it takes two to tango. Now there are other exercises you can do um, outside of the bedroom to help yourself with your stamina, things like um, known as Kegels or PC muscle pumps, which is, you know, squeezing the, the, the pubo coccygeus muscle which is the base of the penis thank um, you for saying this david because again just don't forget what you're going to say but a lot of men think kegels are just for women because obviously they talk mm. about the pelvic floor and it's just as effective for men too really really important to do the that breathing Big belly breathing. One of the things we none of us do, I'm a big fan of breath work, I do a lot of breath work, mm -hmm. is we none of us breathe very well because our, into our stomachs especially. We hold a lot of tension in, us, in yeah. our stomachs, emotional tension, right? In our stomachs, especially our lower belly, which also causes a lack of blood flow to our penis, which 
that, that affects our ability to ejaculate or to, to get hard. So breathing really deeply is really important as well. Even sounding can be really useful because we, we have a lot of trapped feeling and emotion in our body. So just making sound from like the depths of our belly can help us bit our, our stomachs relax. There's also um, masturbation practices that we have to can't avoid because a lot of men are just kind of masturbating to, to be done as fast as possible, right? And I really talk a lot about men about actually creating a mindful masturbation practice and not like where women have self-pleasure practices that are, you know, that are loving and kind that instead of it just being two minutes straight to the end goal of coming is you take your time over 15, 20, 30 minutes. And what I found with my clients is, is when they bring in these mindful masturbation, as I call them, this instantly impacts the sex they're having. A few of my clients are married. So we talk about the mindful masturbation. They go off and they, they do the exercise and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm really enjoying it. And then they go to have sex with their wives and they're like, oh, wow, the sex is so much better now. And then they, they, they've put two and two together. They've taken what they've learned on with themselves and they've brought that into the sex they're having. Mm-hmm. And, and the sex they're having is so much more enjoyable with their, with their partners. So there's so much we can do, but you have to be willing to go, what I'm doing right now isn't working for me completely. Yeah. And I'm open to learning. It's about sort of uh, looking at yourself, isn't it? And understanding where there may be an issue. I think, you know, it's all well and good us sitting here talking about stuff. But if someone is not prepared to see that there needs a little bit of attention in an area, then it's kind of, it's a non-starter. But then equally, it's important that we continue conversation like this so that there's there's the space. And we know that you're not alone, number one. You're not the only Mm. person that, that, you know, could only last two minutes or whatever. You're not the only person that feels anxious about what you're doing. You're not the only person that compares. Mm-hmm. So if you understand that and you want to change, then you know that there's there's places for that. So when it comes to sort of maintaining stamina, I know you've spoken a bit about performance anxiety and ways of kind of sort of getting around that. Stamina, I think this is another area. It kind of ties in with the how long do you last kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How does a man, I mean, it's a bit of a silly question really, and it's almost like you've answered it anyway, but how does a man sort of increase his stamina? Are there ways outside of sort of the, the other exercises and things that you've mentioned just now? Mm. Stamina in particular, not necessarily performance, you know, performance, just stamina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diet. 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 Yeah. Diet exercise, you know, obviously this, because we are holistic beings, right? Mm-hmm. We are complete beings. So what the, we put into our bodies, for instance, in terms of food, um, if you're putting a lot of like, heavy red meat into you for instance and you're wondering why when it comes to in the bedroom you're exhausted after five minutes or you're having a lot of carbohydrates like not carbs we're talking you know you've got complex carbs you've got good carbs like sweet potatoes yams even um barley quinoa things like that that the body can make use of very quickly and then we've got on the other side things like pasta and rice which the body takes a lot more to to get through Mm. even things like sugar as well can be quite bad for you a lot of it comes down to it's like how what are you putting into your body both you know not just um food wise but also emotionally like are you very stressed are you overworking in your life are you Mm. resting enough are you sleeping enough you know are you getting enough exercise and when i say exercise like a varied exercise so like exercise that gets your heart rate up a lot you know maybe that's some running some spin classes some whatever it may be as well as maybe doing you know weights and so forth because for many years i just was in the gym pushing weights but hmm. you know i couldn't run 5k to be honest yeah. you know so there was no cardiovascular exercise taking place it was just push the weights yeah 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 exactly and then i started to run more and do yoga for instance and and these things 
have really helped my general stamina in life, you know, because, you know, yoga is, is wonderful for flexibility because again, as men, we hold a lot of tension in our hips a lot of the time. So yoga for flexibility, and that will mean that maybe you can get into some of the more advanced sexual positions that you've seen in the Kama Sutra or so yeah. forth, right? Is, you know, a bit of yoga and so forth. And then also, you know, you're bringing in some running, like I said, some spin, stuff to get your heart rate up so that when you, you are, You've, you've learned how to last longer, you know, with your penis through the exercises. You also have the stamina back up that you can really relax because this is one of the biggest problems is that when we can relax in our sex, in our lovemaking, right? I'm not worrying about how long I'm going to last in terms of ejaculating. And I know that I have the stamina, right? And I did in that, I know that I have the awareness of feeling my partner and praising my partner, not because I'm good in bed, but because I'm attuned to listening to her, her and her body. Right. When we can relax into that place, then sex really becomes this really almost meditative because we can be yeah. deeply present, deeply with our partners. And it's a really beautiful exchange of, of energy. You know, that's it, David. And I think a lot of people are missing the fact that sex should actually be a beautiful thing. It's not just a quick nut. You know, mm. some people take it literally quick stress relief, bang. Sex is the most powerful energy. Yes. So if you're doing it right and if you're, in tune and everything is just aligned it's it's second to none so i almost feel like a lot of people are doing themselves out of what could be an amazing experience just for a quick nut and equally with men not allowing themselves to tune in and women as well but obviously we're focusing on men today not allowing yourself to kind of tune in and understand how you can make this an experience and it doesn't have to be with a long-term partner and this is another thing isn't it i think tapping in a lot of men believe that that's what you save for your wife or your long-term girlfriend. I think if you're going to have sex, make it make sense with whoever. And maybe if you're making it make sense with whoever you choose to have sex with, you're going to be more selective about who you actually have sex with in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Yes, completely. Because it yeah, then yeah, becomes yeah. something that's a little bit more sacred. I'm not sort of trying to stand up here and scream, oh, you know, sex should be sex. No, but I'm just saying because of the power that sex has and what it can do and how it can make you feel, pick wisely and make it make it make sense. I'd say I don't know if that's just idealistic but you know help me out David what do you think I think there's you know some people went like this is I feel that as we mature right when we kind of just thinking about bodies mm. just like let me feel this body and this woman that's here we are going to be it's kind of very immature masculine behavior you're just thinking of numbers you're just thinking yeah it's going to be quite selfish so you're just going to be thinking about numbers right and, I, and I've been there I, I can definitely see the point in my life where it was just like numbers the more women I slept with the more of a man I was right yeah. and then I probably graduated into a point where I was like but actually I'm only going to sleep with women who intellectually stimulate me like yeah. I want them to I want to really have an interesting evening and then I started to move up into a place where I was like actually I only want to sleep with women who I really feel them deeply and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm in love with them or but I just feel that there's a connection there yeah. that I want to explore that goes beyond just like I think they're good looking. I think they're interesting to talk to, but I really feel who they are as a person, right? Mm -hmm. And that might mean that you might meet one of these women every three months, or you might meet two or three a week, right? It really depends on you, but it's being honest with yourself and being like, you know, feeling someone isn't just like, oh, she's hot, I want to be inside her, you know, because mm. I think that's a lot of the thought process. Definitely. And it's just maturing out that, you know, maturing up the levels a little bit to, to looking for something deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we can feel safe to do that because there's a lot of fear around that right it's, you know like I said when I when people hear me say 
you know feeding someone on a deeper level we just think oh well that's like a relationship or, yeah you know no. and we have our connotations of what a relationship yeah. is a lot of the time is that the word relationship for a lot of people when you hear the word relationship that is anxiety yeah puts the fear <laughs> of god in them <laughs> it's just like you know calm it's not that deep but yeah but it's like you can feel someone really deeply and maybe it's even for just one night it doesn't have to be like a successful successful relationship isn't necessarily a long one yeah that's right that's right so and i think like, be there yeah i completely agree with that even in some in some instances even if it means slowing it down in terms of moving to that point even if it ends up being just for one night you could because let's be real david right guys and i i don't know how many would admit this but when you're just sleeping with different women constantly you don't feel that I mean yeah all right it's the numbers you know you're tallying up your numbers as you go along but when it's all said and done and you're waking up on that Sunday morning and it's just you in your bed and you're like oh I can't call her because I dogged her out can't call her because I didn't respond to her message can't call her because I sp-. you know it's got to make you feel pretty shit it's very empty after a while you know I remember a time probably over 10 years ago now I was I just slept with a girl and I was, she was in my bed and I came out to, to get a drink and I kind of sat on the sofa I just felt this like overwhelming sadness and loneliness mm. because I didn't really want to go in the bed because I just wasn't you know I wasn't that connected to her I was just like you know it was a night out or or you know from an online dating situation and I was just like this is empty mm. I feel empty mm. I feel empty I want more but I'm scared of more yeah. and I would acknowledge that in that moment that was quite liberating for me it's just like you know, going through woman after woman after woman, though it feels safe because you don't have to get hurt, there's also an emptiness that you're most likely ignoring that you don't want to face or look at because you know if you face or look at that, then you might have to do something about it. Right, right. And there it is. I mean, we mentioned maturity before. I think that definitely comes with as you sort of mature as well. When you're in your early teens, early 20s, it's experience go do you have sex you know what I mean you really aren't about locking down but as you move on a little bit more even the meaningful sex casual sex situations can leave you feeling okay well it might not have amounted to anything else but it wasn't just a hit and run so to speak just I really don't buy when guys when there's you know men running around yeah you know again mid-30s you're running around I want to just slam all these women no to me that screams issues it just screams issues because you should have got that out of your system when you were young it's an issue when you when you reach a certain age because I'm not saying that you cannot have casual sex but if you're running around recklessly in the same way someone that's just discovered that he can get his willy hard for more than five minutes you know what I mean <laughs> it's like what what what's happening and what hasn't happened in your life to allow you to progress past that stage now you are a grown man and I think it comes back to to intimacy and not being able to connect or not knowing how to connect not knowing how to understand what you're feeling and this is where they need you do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> to bring yeah, it yeah. back yeah and it's this one of those things like you said it's a maturity thing and I don't want to mm-hmm. say and a lot of this will be is like what were the men around you doing when mm-hmm. you were growing up yeah what were they doing how were they acting because this will impact you massive if all the men around you were single men going to parties when I say men, I mean, when you were a boy, the men that were around you in your life, because we all have some men around us, right? Yeah, what were they doing? And that influences how we think we should be as men. If you grew up in a family, you know, you've got your father, your uncle, and these men sit down on a Saturday night and they sit and they talk to the children or you see them taking a mother out for the evening and coming back laughing and joking and being intimate. And when I say intimate, I mean, you know, talking, sharing emotion and things like that. You will 
absorb that and you will grow up and think, ah, oh, that's what I want to be. But if you, if you see men around you who are, you know, going through women a lot, maybe you just see the back end of it of, you know, them talking about it maybe, or maybe even you see them chatting up women at bars and clubs and so forth, then that's what you're absorbed. And if you have not seen anything, right, or you never looked up to anybody, then you are really prey to what older boys are telling you through their own experiences, their music, because we just, we're always looking for, as, as boys, we're looking for a man to go, who should I look up to? Mm-hmm. Who do I, who should I be like, right? And the thing is, we don't always get to select that. But now we're in a, in a, in a time where, there's so much information about now, right? You know, you can look up to, to a man like LeBron James, for yes. instance, right? You can look up to a man like that. You can, and I'm, I'm trying to think of like black men you can look up to and say, yeah, these men are, you know, connected. Like Will Smith, for instance, is another yeah. great example, right? Someone who is sharing Partly. openly and honestly. Hmm? Partly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love Will sharing. Smith, but certain things have kind of come out over the years that kind of leave you with a bit of a, a raised eyebrow, but that their own personal circumstance. And actually, I agree with you because in in and amongst that, they're living their truth, you know, and they're doing what they've got to do. So no, actually, I take that back. I agree with you. Sorry. Sorry, David. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, when we look at these men and go, okay, these are the sorts of men that we want to look up to and aspire to be like. These are role models. Instead of if we're looking up to, say, rappers, you know, because, you know, that's rappers and sportsmen a lot of the time, right? We're always looking at the, the, the right sportsmen. And we see, you know, sportsmen who, are, you know, might look up to Little Wayne and be like, oh, yeah, I want to be like Little Wayne. And, you know, Little Wayne's got kids all over the place. And, you know, or, you know, or even Drake to a certain degree, you know, the man, a man that kind of denied his denied the existence of his child for so long, for instance, yeah. you know, that's a, an ongoing story, especially in black communities. And it's like we can start to choose better role models based on, you know, values that we hold and things that will, will do us good in the long term. Definitely. David, I am mindful of the time, but just before we we kind of bring this to a close, because I mean, I feel like there's so much we could kind of go over and come back over and expand on and everything like that. I wanted to touch on erectile dysfunction, just mm-hmm. small, small, because obviously that kind of ties in with all of this. It ties in with uh, your ability to have sex. It ties in with performance anxiety. It ties in with stamina. Medically, statistically, black men are more likely to suffer from erectile dysfunction. I find that quite a concerning fact. Uh, what? Why is that? Do, do we have any kind of reasoning for that? One of the big things behind erectile dysfunction is stress. Right. Stress is a huge factor when it comes to erectile dysfunction. And, you know, stress, anxiety, life difficulties, life situations. And, you know, black men are also highly likely to suffer from mental health issues as well. And again, could, undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, sorry, would, would you, that again ties into the stereotypes, doesn't it, David? If you're expected to live up to a certain stereotype and you're not able to do that, that's going to impact your mental health and that's going to cause you stress, which in the long run affects your, your erections too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, if, you know, if we look at, like you said, the, the kind of pressures on black men, and if we even look at historically, because I'm a, I'm a believer in kind of ancestral trauma that gets passed mm-hmm. down. It's like through yeah. our lineage, you know, there's been a lot of stress, <laughs> you know, a hell of a lot of stress. and we're passed on this passed on to us through our parents telling mm-hmm. us, you know, what we shouldn't, shouldn't, should and shouldn't be and what we should and shouldn't be doing. And this impacts us. And again, it in, impacts when it comes down to it, um, how we are performing. So erectile dysfunction is a big one. I think it's a very small number of men that have a physical issue. 
an actual physical issue that needs as you know whether there is some sort of you know sometimes it can be some sort of leg injuries or groin injuries that can can can, can cause it but most of the time it's psychological right? right it's what's happening in the mind it's stress it's anxiety it's worry it's overwork it's not it's not having a good diet it's diabetes is a big one for instance mm. as well heart trouble yeah. um, erectile dysfunction is a precursor right to things like heart attacks and card- wow. cardiovascular issues it's something that's not really known and sometimes i think that actually it's one of the things they should put up is that if you are having erectile dysfunction and when i say erectile dysfunction it's going to classify this in a medical term right it's like if you're lasting less than i think it is one minute or 30 seconds i can't remember 70 percent of the time right right not just a one-off here and there yeah because a i mean here and there is perfectly normal yeah if it's happening 70 percent of the time then you know you could go medically into that erectile dysfunction if it's happening that often right then potentially there is uh some sort of heart issue potentially and it's worth going to a doctor purely based on that even if you go to a doctor and go hey i'm i think i have erectile dysfunction i'm concerned about my heart right Do that's that. your angle to go because that could be it literally could be the thing that saves your life wow wow that's very serious. That is very serious. And we know that a lot of heart issues go undiagnosed until it's too late. So if yes. that's a telltale sign, if you're someone that's listening and you've, like David said, 70% of the time, that's what you're experiencing, please go and get that checked out. That is serious. That is ser- Okay, but you mentioned, obviously, a lot of the time it's psychological um, mm-hmm. it's through stresses and stuff like that. So how could one kind of manage that? Yeah, yeah. First of all, you know, how, you're, how are you working, you know, are you working a lot? Are you working long hours? Are you, is your job over, very stressful? You know, maybe you want to switch jobs. You know, that's, you know, the, the extreme edge. I think everyone should spend at least 50 hours in their life speaking to a therapist. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. I advocate for therapy. I think it's such a sad thing that again, in our community, it's still seen as so taboo. It's still seen as, oh my God, I'm not going to see a therapist. I'm not mad. The reason why you need to see a therapist is so you don't go mad. (laughs) That's the whole point of it, you know, but we can't, we still can't get our head around this. And I, I, I spoke about mental health on another episode and um, the fact that there's a few factors that come into that, you know, you've got sort of class you've got um finances uh and you've got sort of yeah just opinions stereotypes and thoughts that are passed down oh well we don't need it you don't need it only rich people have you know all of these crazy kind of ideas of why a black person shouldn't have therapy when actually we're probably the race that needs it more than anybody in most areas of of life so thank you for for saying that because that's my whole bit but anyway sorry yeah you were saying Therapy is great because ultimately we all, all carry trauma and as black people, we have ancestral trauma and, you right. know, we cannot, you cannot deny systematic racism and the trauma that causes on us and what it's caused on our parents and how they passed that down to us as well. Right. And this is class, um, finances are all really important. So, so therapy is really good. Exercise, the type of exercise you do. I'm a big advocate for yoga, actually. I yes. Just more and more. I find it very relaxing yeah. as something to do. It moves the whole body. Um, Things like breath work as well. Breath work is an amazing practice, which allows the body to really, you know, take in huge amounts of oxygen, but also to relax. It's something you can do every morning, like I do. I've been doing anything from like five minutes to 30 minutes every morning of breath work. You know, the most common ones known are, um, what's his name? Wim Hof, for instance, everyone knows about Wim Hof breath work. Well, most, a lot of people do now. Um, that really helps. But I, I've used various apps. There's a couple of apps I use as well. And on YouTube, there's a lot of breath work that you can just follow for five minutes. Um, meditation, again, 
it's, it's something that's been part of my life for probably yeah. the last six years. It's a crucial part of mine. Daily. Yeah. Yeah. Meditating really daily. Um, that brings relaxation. Um, there's also things like friends. If there's anything I've seen a lot in men in the last couple of years is that most men don't have friends they can truly speak to openly and honestly without judgment. As I, I think I said earlier, yeah. it's like being able to speak to someone without judgment. And this is where therapy is so good because you can speak to someone openly and honestly without judgment, right? And it takes a weight off your shoulders. It allows you to release that stress and worry that you've been holding on internally. Energetically, you hold on to things. When you hold on to words and thoughts and ideas, you're holding on to them in your nervous system. Your body mm-hmm. is holding on to that information. But when you speak it out, you let go of it a little bit, you know, and yeah. it's the same with breath work can be good. Like, it allows you to let go of certain things. You know, journaling even can be useful. Like, there's a lot of practices and I always recommend we do uh, an array of them, you know, like, don't just go, okay, I meditate and that's all I need to do. Then so maybe you need to meditate. Maybe you need to do some, some yoga. Maybe you need to maybe find new friends or see a therapist, mm-hmm. right? Because all of these things will holistically allow you to be more relaxed, more calm, more centered yeah completely agree and also i think um women if you've got a man you, pressure pressure from women as well i think can have a massive effect on a man's ability to sustain an erection uh, a lot of women have this expectation that a man should be able to get hard straight away and do what he's got to do yeah. when actually the body we know sometimes it might not be as you said you know as long as it's not 70 percent of the time sometimes it's just not getting as hard as it did the other day and i think yeah. as a woman you have to be able to understand that and just let him know it's okay so like communication mm-hmm. is is crucial as well if you're in a relationship um and i think that goes some way towards just everything around a man being able to be open and be in touch with with his feelings and everything knowing that he can you know i think that's probably key one of the major keys is knowing i mean you've said it a billion times david it's feeling safe you know and if if he if he knows that he can't even feel safe in the presence of his woman because you know he today it's not as hard as it was yesterday and she's gonna cast or she's gonna be like mock me or whatever that creates even more stress which then in turn will cause it so yeah i think just ladies you know um take time i would say as well and same way we expect men to understand us we have to understand them and i think it's harder to understand men because you're not naturally taught to be open so it's taking that extra bit of time to try and fill them out and i think yeah it's crucial it's crucial yeah yeah. i'd add one thing to that Mm -hmm. um is if your man doesn't get hard it's not personal Mm. don't take it personally don't be like oh my god what have i done wrong Mm -hmm. oh my god he doesn't find me attractive all of that is just your fear coming up right that's some of your fear coming up and treat it that way just let go of it just put it to one side and go yeah that's not what's because that's that thing there also creates a a dynamic and a problem in a relationship is like oh you know imagine this man doesn't get hard the partner's like oh my god it's my fault he feels shame because he feels that he feels bad. She feels bad, right, about it. And that is a cocktail recipe to stop you from talking about it, Yeah. right? Two people in shame are really unlikely to go, hey, that thing that happened, right, how can we talk about that in a way, you know, it's loving and kind, they're just going to avoid it. So it's like in that moment when it happens, it's not personal. It's not your fault. It's not to do with your attractiveness. It's not a slight on your relationship. Yeah. A great point to end on, David. A great, great point to end on. What an amazing conversation. It's been really insightful. Um, thank you, uh, you know, for your honesty, for obviously sharing your personal experiences as well. And I think, guys, you can learn a lot from David. I mean, I know you do courses. As we've said over and over, you're a coach. So you're a sex and intimacy coach or a health 
healthy ma- healthy masculinity coach. Um, mm. You just coach guys, I guess, to be the best version of themselves, which is so necessary. And the fact that obviously you're a black man, I think is is uh, amazing too. You know, a, a face that is uh, relatable uh, for mm. guys. Because I think being relatable is so key as well, being able to move forward. Even we've mentioned therapy, we need more black therapists so that there is that relatability. Even though I do believe that some, anyone can help you, sometimes you need to be able to relate, whether that's on a cultural level or just skin to skin you know so yeah david you're amazing please let people know where they can find you follow you and check out your courses and all of that great stuff best place to find me is instagram that's where kind of all roads be to instagram and then out from there uh, you can find me at the authentic man underscore um also have a website where you can find some of my blogs or if you want to talk about coaching you can contact me through there as well that is www.theauthenticman.net fantastic david obviously i will link everything below so people can just click and find david thank you once again for your time thank you so much.